Hello, welcome everyone. Welcome to Uniting Against Violence. We are a group of parents who've come together to create a podcast for parents and anyone else who's concerned with serious youth violence and wants to take action to produce it. Our group is a mix of parent champions and ambassadors from London's Violence Reduction Unit and the Parent House, a charity based in Islington. I'm Charlotte and today we're focusing on mental health and trauma. We'll be looking at what trauma and mental health is, the impact that it has on people, our communities and what we can do about it. Our guest speakers this week are Mitchell Greenaway, a counsellor and founder of Jigsaw GC, which helps young people make positive choices to reduce violence. We also have Carl Addy, who founded Men in Motion, a community group from helping men build community and reduce loneliness. And Ashley Jackson, one of our parent champions and ambassadors and a mental health first aider. So thanks for joining us all today. How's everyone doing? Yeah, we're good. good. So I'm going to go to you, Mitchell. Would you just like to tell me a little bit about what you do? Okay, so... um... What don't I do? Okay, so I co-found um, a community interest company, I'll start with that, called Jigsaw Get Connected, where we work with young people and families across London. Within that, we put mentors and counsellors in schools, and then we run interventions and workshops in the community. So we're just trying to give young people experiences that shows them there's more than the bubble they're in. And we work with families as well, so parents, because one of the things is people put the support in for the children, but actually parents need that same support because when the child leaves us they can be great but then they're still going home and then if we can give the parents the skills to then support their child and also be supported that then creates a different environment so I'm a therapist within Jigsaw but as also a mentor and then I'm a life coach but I do that outside of that so brilliant thank you Kyle what about us a little bit about what you do I run various projects. So I run a men's group, which is a weekly men's group for men of all backgrounds, nationalities, races, to come together and just talk about issues that affect us, our families and our communities. It's a safe space. So whatever your opinion, your view of something is, is your opinion. I can't tell you that you're wrong or right for it. That's your own experience. I also run children's workshops, children's and adults workshops, where I teach them jury making and basic woodwork skills. And I'm now just about to start up a Young Boys Mentoring Programme where I've had a few families that have seen what I do ask me to do extra curriculum with their children. So these are like single parent families that don't have, the sons don't have no male models in their life. So I would then take them off um, and do certain activities with them, take them bike riding, roller skating, whatever the case may be. Something that the mum wouldn't only do with them. Yeah, and there's not a lot of stuff like that that for yeah, a young family. Yeah. taken for me. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, how about yourself? So right now I do voluntary work for the parent house. I do peer mentoring level three. I'm trying to do four different businesses, which is facials, massaging, and then psychotherapy and counselling. And then I am a part of the Violent Reduction Reunit Parent Champions. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish a charity business through uh, the Violent Reduction Unit, uh, which is based in Islington Council, to kind of give back to other parents that may not know where to signpost, so we signpost them, and we're trying to also get into schools so that we can also do workshops and interventions. That's really amazing. (laughs) We have got a lot of skills and a lot of love in this room. I'm really feeling that. So what we were talking about is mental health, yeah? So in your experience, 
What is trauma and mental health? I'll put it to you, Mitchell. Okay. <laughs> what is trauma and mental health? So I suppose let's start with mental health. Um, it's such a broad word and it's quite a scary word. Um, mental health is about, I like to say well-being and it's different scales of well-being because mental health for me is more when it's diagnosed in regards to maybe schizophrenia, like those high-end um, illnesses. Whereas a lot of people see mental health and think everyone's got mental health different ways. So it's like a well-being scale. And depending on where you are within your well-being, it might be like more more intense. So it might be that emotionally you're not doing very well. So it creates anxiety, those kind of things. And then sometimes you could be at a different scale where you're feeling great, you're feeling good. And it's just different points of what's going on for your well-being and, and what's going on in your life. I think that's a great way to explain it. Okay, so what kind of impact um, does trauma have on families and young people? Ashley, I'll ask you that question. I think that it's uh, it takes a big impact on them, to be honest with you, because if the child is unaware at the time that there is a hefty situation that's going on within their family, and as they get older, they realise that there's secrets or whatever that could be in their family, and then they realise that, that's taken a toll on their body, that mental health. They're not realising it when they when they get older into like working life that they're taking on these these traumas. Yeah. So like you said about anxiety, not realising that you're struggling with that, mm-hmm. not realising the identity of the method of that. So you're then realising, okay, as I get older, I've, I'm dealing with this, not realising that it's taken a toll on your body and that, you know, um, you could also be impacting someone else within the family or friends. It just takes, it's just, it's like a what's the word, like a snowball effect. You start um, running programs, don't you? You don't realise that you don't realize, you're running. Yeah. So you have you built up certain defence mechanisms and yeah. you just carry them on throughout life. So the impact that it's going to have on you and your family is going to be detrimental in some way or another. For sure. Definitely. I, think, I think trauma is something that's individual. So, for instance, there are people go through different traumatic experiences and don't realise they've been through trauma. Mm. So, like, when in a car accident, that's trauma, traumatic, that's trauma. Even a young child at a like their version of like a three-year-old being shouted at, that's traumatic. Yeah. There's different things that, um, and trauma is again another scale. And sometimes I think people think that trauma is something that's like at this end, but it's those little things that keep building up mm-hmm. that then create who we become and our experiences and then create the element of the mental health. We've been creating a small box in your mind and yeah. continuing to try to get on with your life, not realising that it's scurrying at the back of your, you know, your mind to kind of get out. Then you realise when you get older that I was dealing with a lot. Yeah. That would bring me on nicely to we were talking about mental health and the trauma and the effects that it has on our young people and our families. What kind of effect do you reckon it has on the wider community? I'll put that question to you, Carl, as well, because you do a lot of work with, like you said, single. On the wider community, what I've noticed in the last sort of like, especially five, ten years, a lot of guys, even down to females that I know of my age, have gone to the point where they've either on drugs or they ended up being um, sectioned in hospital. And from that point then, it's not just that person that's being sectioned, it's their parents they live with, it's their their children's mum that they live with, whoever it is that they're around, they then have to pick up what's ever left off this person's done. And especially with the younger children, especially a lot of, over the last 10, 15 years, the amount of youth centres and um, community centres that's actually been shut down and closed. Yeah. They've got nowhere to go now. So they're looking at these people on the street thinking, oh, yeah, you know what, I can be like them. They're not realising that going down that road's not really... You're either going to end up in a matter of three days. I said, either in hospital, dead or in jail. Yeah. 
So it's, yeah, it's affecting the whole community as well as just that individual now. And yeah, it's taking its toll on everyone. Children are not really, a lot of them are smoking skunk and whatever. And that has actually had a lot of problems with mental health. I've seen a lot of young people that they can just about string a sentence together. Yeah. So let alone go for an interview or go and seek help for anyone else, they, they're lost and they're just stuck in this cycle where they can't come out of it. For all they know is drugs in the street. So as I said, yeah, it's starting to affect everyone in it, everyone in the community. And what about in your business, your, your service that you're providing? What do you kind of effect do you reckon is having on the community around these families? You definitely see the lack of motivation. Yeah. The lack of um, understanding, like, thinking forward. So you'll have young people, like, I'm, if, I don't know if it's like, even 15 years ago, like, working in schools, like, I've been working in schools for 20 years, but the mindset of some of the young girls, the, the young boys is, like, it's like they've been here for longer than they have been because they are just surrounded by so much. They're seeing so much more than, mm-hmm. like, when we were growing up, like, hanging around the corner and going around, like, at, riding your bike. It was different. Riding bikes now is like riding bikes but you might be robbing someone. Yeah. Or your bike might be getting robbed off you. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? There's anxiety. Or your bike, yeah, you can't really go with your bike and just leave your bike on the, on the side. Um, whereas before, when I was growing up, I could leave my bike outside the shop and come back and it would still be there. And you know, as well, even just that, a lot of them won't go from one postcode to another. No. So they won't ride their bikes. I've been out with some guys and they said, well, we can't go down to that yeah. part. It's like, well, we're all together on a yeah. bike, but they just won't do it. And what kind of effect do you reckon is having on our young people's mental health? Do you know what I mean? You're scared to go from one part of the area. Yeah. Do you know what? It's so sad that a lot of the generation at the moment, they're at this desensitised place. Yeah. It's so out there that and then parents don't know how to support their kids with this because the kid might just seem fine or... And it's just this ripple effect that's happening. And I think a lot of the time we're not pushing it until it's really close within our um, remit. It's on your doorstep. Yeah, it's yeah. on your doorstep. And I think it's something that we need to bring back in regards to community. It is affecting our young people with mental health because the fact that at the moment they're, they're suppressing things that they just seem now as their new norm mm-hmm. that we're going to see the ripple effects in about three four five years time if we're not putting in the support this is not like normal thinking is it like mm. thinking about trauma like we talk about the kids like uh, you know worried to walk around the streets to even ride their bikes how do you know if you're experiencing trauma or your mental health is suffering like how would you how would you know that how about that to you, Mitchell? Could you counter that? But the thing is, I think people don't necessarily know because you're not taught. We're not taught to understand ourselves, so we're not taught to like. For instance, fear and worry is something you're not taught. If you think yeah. about a child, they a child is a sponge. From the moment they come into this world, they know nothing. They literally learn everything through their environment. They learn to walk, talk, everything through the adults around them, and then it goes into school. So it. The environment gets wider, but it's still learning through everyone else. You think about a child that may be getting in trouble at home. Maybe you've got a three-year-old going to touch the oven. What does the parent do? They shout. Yeah. But they're not shouting because they're angry. But it's the, their fear. It's the parent's fear. fear. And but a response. But the child is seeing anger. The child doesn't... Parents don't normally sit down with their children and say, actually, I'm worried. So even when a child's coming home late, a lot of times parents scream and shouting, but it's that they're scared and they're yeah. worried about their child. So a child... Does as even us as adults, if you think about it, you haven't learned what fear looks like. You learnt fear from maybe watching a horror movie, mm-hmm. so you think that's what fear is. 
So a lot of the thing is people don't realise how they're feeling because it's not something we've learned. Yeah. So when you're going through something traumatic, what we've learned is just keep going. Yeah. And if you can't keep going, then something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you then don't want to tell someone, oh my God, but actually. So it's something we're not taught. So initially, people won't know that they're, they're, they're in a process of um, trauma or they're going through something. And it's not until they're sitting in a space where they can you say to them, you've been through this, 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 this. Yeah. If someone else had come to you, you'd be like, wow. Like sometimes you sit there, people really don't realise that they've been through so much. Yeah. They're going through so much. Like it's, even when they're explaining it to you yeah. what they've been through, they still don't they realize, don't realize that that's, it. That's no. what's causing and that you trauma. Have to get them out of them, you have to get them out of their own situation for them to then sit down and think, "Wow, like yeah, that's." that's I, I explain it myself as like being in a video. Yeah, you know I mean when you start talking about things and then not yeah. everyone can understand yeah. it, and mm. all of a sudden you're thinking, "Actually, did this happen to me? Yeah. Like, is this my life?" Mm. Carl, do you think that trauma differs like between men? Is there a difference with how you know they experience it? Is it Different I don't think there's a difference in how they experience it. I think there's a difference in how they process it and how they deal with it. Mm. Men in this society have been brought up to be a man. You've got a man up. You can't show your emotions. If you're out on the road, you've got peer pressure and you can't be seen to be the weak person because if you're the weak person, you're the weakest thing. You know they're just going to get bullied. So with men, it is more of a, I can deal with this. I can I can deal with it. I saw it. No worries. I'm problem. You ask the man how he is. It's very rarely he would turn around and say to you, you know what? I'm okay, but really this is going on. Really that's going on. Nine times out of ten, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And that's all you hear from them. Mm-hmm. So as I said, it's not a matter of how we, what, what, what whatever trauma it is. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of we've dealt with. We will deal with it differently. Whereas the majority of time, most women are more in touch with their emotions. Men block all their emotions out. So if they've had a bad childhood. Their way of dealing with it is right. I got to be the bigger man. I got to go gym every week. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to be shown to be the man. Mm. And yeah, that, I think that's the, the the bad part about it, the detrimental part about it, to the, how men deal with it. Yeah. It's also changing. Yes, yeah, a lot changing more men are now are starting to become more aware of what's actually caused problems. Because the thing as well, I know probably at least sort of like. 10 men in the last two years that's come down with very serious illnesses or died or even mm. committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And that's because they feel that there's no way out or there's no one to talk to or they can't go and talk to. So like within this men's group, the amount of men that I've seen come and break down because they've actually had an outlet to come and say, all right, you know what? I can say what I've got to say without no one questioning me or judging me. So yeah, as I said, it's like the way we and do. And also really. you've got, sorry to cut so, you, yeah, so you've also got other men from all walks of life right. they're sitting down yeah there, it's so not just men makes, from the road or something right, like yeah. that so it kind of then makes it feel like okay if this okay. man is talking about what he's gone through then i can and feel like i can talk yeah and at least when they leave there you can see the shoulders you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. which is amazing sorry <laughs> <laughs> even i've seen a lot more men coming for therapy like i've got more i actually work with more men than females now and before that like i've been a therapist for nine years and that it was predominantly the other way around. Yeah. So like what you said, it's slowly changing because more people are talking about mm. it. More people are coming forward saying, I'm not okay. And yeah. I think the more we kind of talk about support and not see it, like the word is strength. I think mm. men think their version of what strong is and what their learned conditioning was strong is, I don't cry. It's, yeah, because yeah. for a man, yeah, being yeah, vulnerable yeah. means being weak. But actually, but they the don't see it's the strength. <laughs> Like when you're working with people and getting them to rechange how they see strength, because strength actually, you actually look at what strength is. Strength is someone that can pick up weights. 
or like you could pick up a car that's 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 what actual strength is but people have made that into a mental strength and that's not what it is mental is being able to be vulnerable it's being able to be brave and talk about how you're feeling and actually say i'm not okay and it's people don't when i sit with people and i say to them do you know how brave you are coming and talking right now because that is not easy and then when they realize actually the way emotional strength and physical strength are two different things and that's what we need to really just kind of change the learning on. So how do we look after our mental health? How do you look, Mitchell, I'm going to ask you, how do you look after your mental health? Um, I look after my mental health by, I was actually talking about this yesterday with my students because I teach the level three therapy course, like counselling course. So one of the things I was saying is I have to have therapy, obviously, because I'm a therapist. Well, you should. It's not that you have to. I choose to. So every now and again, I'll have a top up a couple of times a year. Um, I have supervision as well. So I think within working, people don't necessarily know that they need support within your job, especially frontline workers. Um, so within our company, we make sure everyone has supervision. Yeah, a place to reflect, a place to see how work is impacting them so that we don't have burnout. Yeah. I have my kids who are amazing. So like dancing, like in the mornings, we'll get up, we'll put music on. Like that's something I love doing, meditating. I'm also a coach, so I'm involved in things like coaching for myself I get coached even though I coach so I put myself in areas where I'm constantly developing my mind and stretching it and just learning who I am but then I take time out I'm a, I make sure I'm around good people that push me to better myself but also give me a space that I can just be myself excellent so, yeah. Carl what kind of things do you do to keep yourself yeah, mental health well it's mainly do you know what getting creative I could literally sit at home all day if I've got I work with a lot of recycled wood. So I would sit there, burn a bit of frankincense or sage or something, and I'll literally have it sitting there beside me, put my music on and get creative. I ride a bike a lot, so so I'll get up, I'll go cycle however many miles throughout the day, just to sort of like get any form of sort of like aggression or anything out. Same kind of thing, meditation. I've got a, a good friend who's a psychotherapist, so same like you said, mm. sometimes I'll have these groups, like the men's group, and the conversation will be so intense that it's like, I've got to get on the phone to her, it's like, you know what, I've just, and she'll break it down to me, mm. and she'll like, right, so, but the thing is, where she'll do it is like, how will life coach do it, they'll mm. ask you the questions, so it will sit and make me reflect on things. Journaling is another thing sometimes I'll sit and do. I notice once I do put things down on paper, so when I'll sit and write, I'll come back and look at it and reflect, all oh, right, you know what? At that time last year, I was doing this. Oh yeah, I remember I forgot I wrote these goals, but it's just another way of me getting it out. It's mm. Ashley, what kind of things do you do? Um, obviously I suffer from high level of anxiety, so me being around people socially helps that. My kids as well, although they sometimes... <laughs> they are my, my all, they mould me to be the person I am, so they motivate me. Cleaning, putting on music, training I've got so many courses I've done in the last two years I can't even believe I've even completed them so me just keeping busy and proactive mm. me also being an ear for other people you know yeah. is you know another thing that kind of makes me feel like okay so then I know I'm making someone else's day better over the years obviously I've gone through quite a lot of trauma um since so when we was talking about certain things I was not navigating it to me but I was navigating it <laughs> <laughs> um but what I'm saying is uh, because I've had so much trauma and I identified that I've had trauma, I've realised that certain parts of my body is affected. So I know that now me being a high level of anxiety person, I know I get pins and needles in my cheeks, 
sometimes I can feel like my heart is beating very fast. Sometimes um, I can get pains in certain places and realise that if someone else is around me that's feeling agitated, I'll kind of take on their pain as well. Um, so I've just kind of just identified that if I explain myself a little bit more, be around people that I can open up to and know that they won't judge me or anything like that, that then that kind of puts me, you know, settled. And like I said, just keeping busy as well also helps that stay at bay. But even now I'm speaking too much, so to, to, to have some pins and needles in it, but it's just me just like, I don't know, I feel like I'm always the one that tries to help other people. So me then speaking about myself, I get a bit like, don't really like speaking about myself. <laughs> I rather help everybody else. I'm more of a helper. Like, are you, are you going through this? Oh, I'm trying to help you. Let me go and signpost you. Let me go and do this. So I'm happy to go and be busy in that way. But I feel like with my body, I've realised over the last couple of years that these are the things that happen to me when I'm feeling flustered or when I'm feeling worried or when I'm feeling stressed. Didn't know it about it before. So I'm hearing a lot of things. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of stuff uh, to keep well, like you'd do self-care, you'd meditate, you'd be in the moment, you'd be present, you'd be, you know, taking that time out and looking and, and actually understanding what your body's going through. Um, so what other things do you reckon we can do, like in terms of seeking help and trying to understand trauma? I think it's like last year I lost my granddad. So I knew that coming up to the anniversary of his death, I knew for me... I need I need a space. So I was very aware of the fact that why do I why don't we always wait for the after fact we don't learn about inter, intervening early. And for me it was like, okay, I know the anniversary's coming up, let me go and take a space. I don't know how it's gonna affect me, but I'm gonna go have a space. And I think sometimes we wait until we're at the bottom before we and then we have to then climb, climb up. Actually sometimes if we can just intervene early, that can then change the course of six months for us because we can then we're supporting ourselves so I think it's about being kind and knowing that actually I don't think we know how to be kind to ourselves like as she just said she's happy to do everything for everyone else help 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 and distract herself from what I go through what she's going through so it's like looking at how you be kind to yourself okay so if you noticed your mental health was slipping and you know you wasn't feeling too great and you started withdrawing whatever where would be the first place or point that you would go to like it's all very well going to workshops and doing all that kind of stuff but like for basic things like where do you go you can google things Mm -hmm. you can google i think people use google for things that maybe don't benefit them sometimes but (laughs) you can actually google because there's so many different organizations out there Mm -hmm. you can go to your doctor yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can go to local community centres, libraries, um, libraries. places like that. That's any reception area, you'll find a lot of information on different local services. And then they just, as you said, you've also Google. got coffee mornings at schools. The school would always have that information in the reception area to say that we've got coffee mornings on a Wednesday. If you're happy to come at nine thirty, then you'll be able to talk about your well-being and if you want to share things. So they have that. In the schools, they're starting to do that more. Yeah, more I think frequently. that's a good idea. Like even so just speaking to the teacher. That's a local thing that someone can go and do if they felt they if they didn't want to go to a GP at the time. And I think it's about knowing that you can go and look for things, and it might not be the right thing for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. I think people think, oh, but if you go somewhere and it's not great, that's fine. You can go somewhere else, or they might be able to tell you somewhere else. So mm-hmm. I think it's just knowing that even if you go somewhere and it doesn't sit with you or it doesn't align with you, you can try again because not everyone's for everyone. So it's just knowing that you might go to someone and think, oh, yeah, I have to stay with that person and not like the experience. And then it's like, oh, no, I'm never going to do this again. But actually, it's just knowing that actually doesn't sit right with me. I'm going to look for someone else. Um, 
And I think that's what it is, it's knowing that there are places out there but not everywhere is gonna align with you. And if it doesn't align with you, that's okay. Let's see where else I can run. Also taking up a sport. Just even just going to just laze in a park and just reflect on natural earth and stuff like that. So maybe just taking off your, your socks and just grounding yourself. Just little things like that can also, you know, be more natural lifting mm. than having to really look for an organisation yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Just for the people that may not want to do any of that, there are just normal alternatives. Just yeah. walk outside, just taking breath air. Taking breath air? Taking fresh air. Sun, anything. No, I agree, because it can completely change your mindset. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You can be stuck indoors, getting all anxious, and you'll step outside, walk around the park, or go shop or something, and you'll come back fully refreshed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and music as well. Music yeah. has always been... My my thing, yeah. you know. I Even before I was dancing, it's just yeah. Sometimes yeah. I put my frankincense on. Yeah, yeah. 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 coming in the room like this, but I'm like, listen, I need to, I need to clear the house. energy. Yeah. yeah. Even the cat comes in there. He's happy to be in there. You know, I like I'm a piano now. I never used to know about it before, but the South African music just takes me somewhere else. It's amazing. Just. I don't know. Because I think music can really lift your spirits, it can't does. it? It, it can does. really change the way that you think. And it's, even, even my boys, they have, uh, I've got little speakers all in my house. We love mm. music on from the minute we wake up until we go to bed. And even just to have a shower, they're putting their tunes on. And I can hear them singing in now. Like, they're both of them, both my boys do that. I'm lucky enough, I've got a daughter that loves music to the point where she's actually made her own tracks now. She loves oh, really wow. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I go into the room and she'll be sitting there writing and so I'm like, what are you writing? I'm writing lyrics for my next song. Okay. <laughs> and look at, that's another great way to express yourself, yourself and to be creative, yeah. like you say. So what's the one thing that you would change to um, improve mental health? Mitchell? I would change the narrative around it. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's got such a stigma. And even me, when I was younger, I think about... I Being a therapist was never in my even mindset. I saw a therapist as Frasier from... East, from um, that program Frasier yeah, right? yeah. that was like I can't be that like do you know <laughs> what I mean so I think just changing what therapy looks like what it is I think people just think I've got to have an issue it has to be so bad. so that something's wrong with me and I think actually no like everyone needs a space mm-hmm. so I think changing support not even just therapy just what support looks like because even mentoring I think it used to be known as like bad kids in school yeah. Yeah, yeah they need a mentor and it'd yeah. only be the bad kids that get, get a mentor, mentor yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's mm-hmm. other kids that need that just that same support that one to one confidence yeah, boost or like, yeah. That yeah no one knows that maybe they don't have the, that one parent's not in the house and they just need someone to build their self-esteem yeah i think if we can reformat the language that's kind of come about with it it's like the word victim everyone feels like the word victim means oh, there's something wrong with me, it means I'm weak, actually. It's the definition to associate the difference between the perpetrator and the person that was the crime was committed against. It doesn't mean that you're weak. If we can really change language, terminologies like strong, victim, all those things look like, I think that would be a great start. But following on from that, I think changing the curriculum. Yeah, bring in, big time. Bring in well-being and mental health, bring in all their meditation, everything into schools. Because uh-huh. if they can learn to deal with their emotions from a young age, yeah. then... Leading up to whatever situation they go through, they're going to be yeah. better prepared for it. What about yourself, Ashley? I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. also just changing the mindset of how the government chooses to fund certain things. Yeah. I feel like yeah. they need to give Definitely. back into schools, need to give them back into after projects as well. Mm. Let's like, say after school mm. projects, but just in general, just stuff like that. I think we over tend to think 
what we should have in schools and what school should be and oh my gosh because it's curriculum we need to make sure that it's maths english and science it's yeah. like it's beyond that now we're in 2022 we need to bring in well-being we need to bring in mental health we need to bring in yeah, all of these things yeah. from a younger age for the children to understand that this is normal this is our new normal yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, things like that. Look at how many adults, if you really sit down and think about when adults talk about, oh, I found myself, I found myself, why can't we help you find yourself from young? Young. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you should start from young. You should start from young, 100%. Right, so we've, we've gone through a lot of stuff today. We've answered a lot of questions, yeah, and I feel like we've come up with some good things. So we've spoken about, um, you know, what trauma is and do we necessarily know that we're in trauma? Like, we've got our families grow up, we don't always know that we're in trauma. And when, if we do feel like we're in trauma, our mental health has slipped, um, we can go to doctors, we can go to schools, we've got a lot of things that we can go to. How, how we look after ourselves as a kind of self-care, like sleeping, eating, being creative, getting outside, like these are all great things that hopefully I think other people, you know, hearing this podcast is going to be able to relate to and hopefully they get some information out of it. Say from school, we need to be taught these things from young, you know, what it feels like, but our kids need to be free and open to express themselves if they're not feeling, if they're not feeling great. So yeah, I'd like to thank you all very much. Yeah, for coming. It's been really interesting. We could sit here for hours going on about this. It's such a huge subject, anyway, isn't it? Okay, thanks all for listening. Thank you. Right, so thank you for listening to Uniting Against Violence, the podcast about reducing serious youth violence within our communities. We've put useful links to the things we've talked about today and this episode's description. If you found this episode useful, please subscribe, share and like on socials at, at Uniting Against Violence. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can also email us at unitedagainstviolence at gmail.com. Reducing violence is a big topic and we know we can't cover everything and every perspective. So if you're listening to this and thinking about something that we've missed, we encourage you to start conversations where you are. Together we can unite against violence. This episode was co-produced by Debbie Felix and Sarah Hutt. Guest speakers were Carl Addy, Mitchell Greenaway and Ashley Jackson. With editing by Sarah Hutt and the host was me, Charlotte Keith. Special thanks to our partners, Isleton and Camden Councils, Public Health, The Parent House and Crux, also Jigsaw GC and Men in Motion, and our funder, the Mayor of London, as well as our guest speakers. Thanks for listening and tune in for our next episode.